Welcome to TEN, the Tenant Experience Network. I'm your host, David Abrams. In this episode, we are connecting with Lisa Kirsch, Head of Strategic Initiatives at Landis. In this episode, we learn about Lisa's journey to the startup world, catching the bug, as she likes to call it, and her early days in the prop tech space. Her current role at Landis combines all that she loves, real estate, mission, and innovation. Lisa suggests that buildings are spaces that either attract or repel people. Each building and each company needs to figure out why people should come together in their space. All of the stakeholders need to figure out the why before they figure out the what. Lisa shares the impact that their new workplace has had on the Landis team. The key is offering everyone the autonomy to decide how and where they want to work. Like what flexible space providers do, Lisa believes that building operators need to move faster at providing turnkey solutions for occupiers. I love how Lisa describes great tenant experience as solving your customers' pain points along their journey. Making the workday easier should be a major driver of better experience. Our conversation continued with additional insight into the ways in which Landis is working to make home ownership more accessible to more Americans. We're excited to share this podcast with you, so be sure to subscribe to 10 so you never miss an episode of the Tenant Experience Network. And now I'd like to welcome Lisa to the show. I'm really glad you could be with us today. David, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. Absolutely. Um, Should be a fun conversation. So tell us about your journey to your current position role. How did you get started? So uh, it goes a little back. Um, I started my career in economic development. I actually worked for the city of New York for about 11 years, uh, really leading large-scale redevelopment projects around the city. Um, Everything was very much focused on creating jobs, housing, and amenities for all the different areas around the city. But then um, I got the startup bug. Uh, Many of my friends at that time were in startups. Either they were starting their own companies or they were working in them. Um, For all the graduates, I do not recommend that as a way to choose a career path, but uh, it didn't work out for me. Um, I naturally went into prop tech because I knew real estate. So I ended up at a company called Notel. Uh, Notel it was was in the flexible office business, and this was you know before the pandemic. This was when everyone used to go into the office five days a week, right. and with them, I went through this tremendous scaling period uh, where I learned a ton. It was a lot of fun. We ten x the business in eighteen months, uh, absolutely insane. Um, but then the pandemic happened, and as we know, offices around the entire world shut down for right. months on end. Uh, but then uh, my journey continued, and last year I joined a company called Landis, which is where I am now. Mm-hmm. And Landis is a home ownership company. Um, we work with people who are just below the threshold to qualify for a mortgage. So these are people who want to buy homes but aren't able to right now. And we determine whether or not, with the right coaching, the right support, we can really help them on their path to home ownership. Um, if the answer is yes, we give them a budget. They actually shop for a house. They themselves select the house that they want to live in today, that they want to own. Landis buys it for them. We rent it to them and we coach them to mortgage readiness. And when they're ready, they buy back from us and they go from owner, from renter to owner, 
without ever having to move again. Um, and that's, you know, that's a that's really amazing. awesome thing. That's um, incredible. I, I love that story. I just think that's that's so relevant, uh, particularly today as, as home prices are only going up and up. Um, so that's a phenomenal um, mission for the company. I, I'm really excited to hear more about it as we continue to, to chat. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think today with all the technology that's out there, we can really scale what we do to everybody in a way that wasn't possible even, you know, five, 10 years ago. So. Right. So why do you think you were so uniquely suited for this opportunity? What has helped you uh, to become successful in this new role? Yeah, well, you know, Landis is really taking everything I love um, and putting it into one company. That's real estate that's mission and innovation. Mm -hmm. um, there is this uh, thing that I read in a book um, that said, passion is not the thing that excites you the most. It's actually the thing that you keep doing when things get really, really hard. And solving a challenge like homeownership and financial inclusion is really, really hard. Um, when I worked at the city, um, I worked with amazing colleagues, both inside the city, as well as um, private partners, whether they were capital or developers. And we all worked together to take on really, really complicated projects, um, really, really hard projects, things that people thought were not possible. And what I learned from this incredible group of people is that if you get together, we can really create solutions to anything, um, right. even if it seems impossible. Right, right. Fabulous. Um, so the reason why I reached out to you, uh, you know, there's a lot of commentary about the return to workplace and some very extreme opinions being expressed. And yeah. some are confrontational, some are polarizing. Uh, the Hilo team truly believes that everyone needs to live and work in the world as it is right now. And I think the CRE industry and employers, we can't continue projecting into the future to an imaginary date when we will return to yeah normal you know perhaps the world with covid is the new normal so i saw a post that you shared on linkedin and i'm going to share it with the audience and you said the following you said landis has just moved into a new office and we absolutely love it so so you had me there and you went on to say that real estate is about creating spaces for people um, and here's what the office means and doesn't mean for us the office is a home base for all hybrid all remote teammates to come together, whether that's several times a week, once a month, once a year, you know, having an office doesn't mean not having flexibility or autonomy to decide how to do our best work. We are purposeful in how we spend time together and work together as a team. The present is flexible. And so I saw that and I said, this is a person I definitely want to chat with. Um, and, and we connected. So I'm really interested in your thinking you know, not only as um, someone, you know, with deep experience in commercial real estate in the prop tech space, but also as an occupier, what do you think all of this means for the commercial real estate industry? How can buildings continue to be important to businesses and people today? Yeah, so uh, people, people are social creatures, right? You and I are on this chat today. Uh, you saw my post because we all are online speaking to each other, writing, commenting with each other. And like I said, like buildings are just spaces. They're um, spaces that either attract people or they repel people um, in some cases. And right. It's and historically, like you said, like office represented this idea, this idea of a five day, 40 hour work week 
uh, because you know you and I both know that's exactly how many hours everyone in the startup world works, 40 hours a week. Uh, <laughs> right. I only wish. <laughs> Uh, but you know the the forty hour work week was a concept that was created by at least in the United States. Um, right. I don't know about Canada, but in the United yeah. States, it was created by the government right. uh, in nineteen forty. Uh, it was just you know it was a law, and I think that for the commercial real estate industry, there's a real opportunity here. You either have office and buildings continue to represent and symbolize. 40 hours a week, sit in your cubicle, everyone sits in offices, you sometimes get together, sometimes not, or you can really start to hold the office out as something, as a place where people actually want to come together for whatever makes sense. And I think once you start to separate that identity of the office from 40 hours at your desk, you open it up to lots of possibilities that it can evolve into. Mm -hmm. And and I don't mean amenities. I mean, amenities are amazing, but amenities was, you know, what we did five years ago, um, right. 10 years ago. Uh, each building and each company really needs to figure out why people would want to come together. Like, for what reason? How does it make them better? Is it for brainstorming? Is it team meetings? Is it so engineering teams can collaborate together? Is it so sales teams can, like, have competitions and learn from each other? And we really, I, I think buildings, owners, everyone, employers need to answer the why before we right. say what. Right. So before, I'm interested in your thoughts around the, the role of the building, but as a, an occupier, and since you yeah. shared that post, what has been the experience for your team? And what, what has been the re-engagement with this beautiful new workspace? And anything you can share with us that would be yeah. um, valuable to our listeners? Absolutely. Um, you know, our, our team, um, uh, so our workspaces in New York City, where many of our employees are based out of, not all. And we had a decision to make. We actually um, took on this lease um, in, you know, we decided to move forward in the middle of the winter when Omicron was raging mm-hmm. at a point where people were pulling back from office plans. But for us, we knew that our team wanted to be together. Um, right. However, often uh, we uh, are a team that thrives off of the energy of being together um, and so that was a decision that we made to have this space. And our old space, which we outgrew, was a sublet um, that we took on during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was, um, let's call it less beautiful mm-hmm. than, the, than the one in my LinkedIn post. And we still got together, even though it wasn't the best space. Right. And here, when everyone walked in, they were, everyone's immediate reaction was, wow, the space right. is awesome. Uh, We can't wait to use it. It is big. We can't wait to grow into it. When our remote teams come to visit uh, from other cities, there's space for them. We have Mm -hmm. meeting rooms that are fully outfitted with Zoom. We have phone booths. We have collaboration tables. We have desks. We kind of have all the different settings that you need for all the different types of work that can happen here. And that's really what a well-designed space does. It creates, it serves the purpose of the people who want to be there. So I'm just curious, are you finding, I don't know the the age range of of your teams, um, but is there a certain demographic that is more interested in being in the physical space uh, versus not? Just curious to what extent age is playing a factor, because I'm starting to hear some of that in the marketplace. Uh, Interestingly, we're hearing a lot of young people in particular really do want to be 
um, back in, 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 in the physical space, meeting, talking, collaborating, being mentored, you know, having a social component to their workday as well. So I'm just curious, can you offer any insight on that front? Yeah, um, you know, like many startups, we skew young, younger right. uh, than, than a lot of companies. But at the same time, our leadership team, which does have more experience, those of us with 15, 20, 20, you know, more than 20 years of experience, uh, mm -hmm. I won't call them all out, uh, <laughs> equally, <laughs> equally want to be in the office. But the key here for us is that everyone has the ability and the autonomy to figure out what works with them, for them. Right. And obviously has to work for the business, but we don't actually have a policy. Um, right. I know a lot of people who have gone back to the office, say, you know, X number of days, minimum, et cetera. We don't have that um, right. that's on purpose. Uh, we want people to want to come in. And of course, there are times where we say, hey, we're going to bring everyone in because we're going to do very specific things. But it's, it's crazy. Like, I know how I work best. Um, no one else should tell me that. Right. And as long as I get my work done, does it, you know, does it matter? Should it right. matter? So without the mandate, what are you finding? Are you seeing any patterns in terms of um, the number of days spent in the office or the, or hours during the course of a day spent anything emerging at this point or is it, or is it too, still too early? Um, I think it's still too early. We've been affected quite a bit by uh, the COVID waves that have come through um, before, you know, last last summer and kind of pre-holidays last year when things were fairly consistent um, COVID-wise. You know, most folks were in the office two to four days a week, and it's sort of dependent on the team. Uh, I, I would say most people are still in somewhere between one and four days a week. Okay. But again, COVID, uh, life events, people trying not to get COVID before life events um, right. has sort of really, um, really kind of changed up the schedule a bit. But we still get to see a good number of our teammates in on certain days of the week when we have certain key, you know, uh, moments in the company. Right. Great. Uh, I'm just curious, uh, and I'm not sure to what extent you can offer your thoughts on this, but as the... Um, the building itself, the building operations mm -hmm. team, um, do yeah. you think there's anything that they could or should be doing? Are you seeing anything specific that, for example, the building you're in is doing that is supporting, you know, helping to position the physical workspace as a really vital, um, exciting and, 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 and a place where people ought to be? Yeah. So um, we were lucky. We were able to get a space that was um, turnkey. Basically, mm -hmm. I did have to set up internet here, but that was very easy with the providers here. And so as a business and today in today's world, like everything pivots right. very quickly. And so the ability to really see a space get in quickly, um, although I used to spend most of my life managing real estate projects, that's not quite what I have time for anymore. So that was certainly key to being able to serve our purposes today was how can I get the team into a space that works for us with the furniture, with equipment, with whatever it is that we need in a fast, easy way and on a timeline that works for us. So I think that the building um, was really amazing with that. They were able to work with us not to negotiate a 150 page lease, which is very typical in New York City right. and right. do a shorter form, you know, really towards moving towards what a lot of the flex office providers have started offering to the market in the recent right. years. Very good. Excellent. Um, so listen, the pandemic has, I think, you know, recalibrated the market um, and buildings now recognize that 
they're really places for people. And I think that's where you and I had great alignment. Yeah. Um, the real asset is not the building. It's actually the people that are in it. Um, so as a result, tenant experience or workplace experience, which yeah. is the space that Hilo operates in, is fast becoming the new differentiator. So, you know, it used to be location and class. Um, mm -hmm. And now I think people are really evaluating, well, what kind of experience is offered and can be offered uh, to both our company as well as our employees. So if customer experience is really uh, sort of the new business that building operators are in, any thoughts that you might be able to share with us on how you think will define and deliver amazing tenant experience now and in the future? Yeah, this is a, this is a fun topic for me. Um, you know, in the, in the startup world, we talk a lot about customer experience, customer success. At its right. core, it really means solving your customer's pain point along the journey. And um, I think here, why don't I use a very specific example? Because I think that's probably the best way to talk about it. Um, okay. And, you know, I, from my view and as an occupier, like tenant experience should be about making the day easier for everyone who chooses to come into the office, not put up barriers to it. And today, how we move around the world, how you move around the world, how I move around, it's just different. We come and go as we please. Uh, we... Anything we need to do, we do on our phones. Uh, you know, people barely carry a wallet anymore. <laughs> right. But the office experience hasn't really evolved that much. Right. Right now, when you come into an office that has, you know, uh, a front desk, you still need an ID to get it, or you need a guest pass to get in. And offices were designed to actually keep people out. Right. If you didn't have an ID, you <laughs> couldn't get in. And that was the world, right? And it, it's difficult. So... In today's world and in the world I operate in and our team, like what happens when we have remote employees who come in once a quarter? Right. Do I give them an ID that they can forget or lose? Are they a guest in their own office? What if they want to come in early, work late? Do they have to go to security every time? Like there's a lot of friction there. Right. There's also someone who has to put them into the system, but we don't have an office manager. We don't have admins anymore. Like we just operate in a very different world. And so, well, it sounds simple, but just getting in and out of the office for sure. can either like encourage you to come in or it can deter you from coming in or bringing people together. And so I think that's a complete reframing for how traditional property managers think about you know, their, their work and how they think about the building. And I think there's probably a whole lot, you know, many, many more examples of it, but that's probably the one that I feel most acutely as a company with out resources to put yeah, no. people into ID systems. That's a great example. And your point about building security is generally it was originally intended to keep people out. And now it's a situation where we actually have to allow people in and, and do it in, as you pointed out, a very frictionless way. So, you know, to that end, Hilo, what we do is when we um, are in a building, we will work with the building's um, security system, building access system, and actually integrate that, integrate that key card or fob um, directly into Hilo so that through their smartphone, they can simply pass through these various security access points. And again, whether it's an employee that's visiting once a month or after hours or, you know, on the weekend or, or, or regularly, how do we make sure it's a very seamless experience, right? It shouldn't be different. They shouldn't, you know, stand out if they're part yeah. of your team. So that sounds awesome. How, how, how do I get that? Can I, yeah. can I for coming <laughs> we'll on this podcast? <laughs> we can talk for sure. We can definitely discuss that. I'll have to learn more about the building that you're in. 
Um, so a really great example. Uh, let's take a, a quick break, a short break, and we'll be right back with Lisa. Thank you. This episode of 10 is proudly brought to you by Hilo. Hilo is a rapid deployment tenant engagement platform for the hybrid world. The pandemic has created shockwaves across the commercial real estate industry, and now more than ever, we realize that the most important asset of a building is the people. Building operators and employers now recognize that people want new kinds of spaces, services, and amenities to accommodate a hybrid workforce. Tenant engagement solutions that support the hybrid workforce connecting people to buildings no matter where they are have become a major differentiator as buildings compete to retain current tenants and attract new ones. Hilo empowers forward-thinking building operators to meet this challenge. To learn more about Hilo, visit HiloApp.com. We're back with Lisa Kirsch, Head of Strategic Initiatives at Landis. So I think you'll agree living through a pandemic has been very challenging for so many. Uh, but it's also now provided an opportunity for us to be better, do better, and what we like to say, build something better. In other words, it can no longer be an excuse. So can you share any details about any aspect of your business or some part of your business that is now being reimagined to reflect the reality of where we are today? Sure, thanks, David. Uh, so Landis is really about providing a path to home ownership for the millions of people in America who don't have the opportunity to, to reach home ownership. And the, honestly, the pandemic has made that goal, the goal of home ownership, even more challenging. Right. Uh, on both sides of the economic equation, both supply and demand forces have really, really um, put that goal further and further out of reach. The supply of homes uh, or the lack of supply really is what we should say has really driven up pricing across America, double digit increases year over year, inflation is through the roof. And then on the demand side, which are your buyers or your potential buyers, they've been hit hard economically, whether they're, you know, permanently, uh, you know, put off the path or temporarily, all of that has really made the challenge harder. And so at Landis, like we, we've really have spent a lot of time adapting our programs, we've changed terms, and we try to be more competitive in the market, we've given people more time, we give them more coaching. But really what it is, we're doing whatever we need to help them reach mortgage eligibility, so they could reach homeownership. And the last few years have also really reinforced just how much you know the home and the the, yes. the safety, the psychological safety, the social safety that this this housing can provide for us. And so, um, the pandemic has made things harder, but it also has um, really, I think, pushed our team to you know try harder, work more, figure out how to right. do better in this world. Amazing. Um, you're operating across North America, just the United States? Uh, we're just in the United States right now. We yeah. are in 12 states, um, in all the major cities in those 12 states, in the uh, Midwest and Southeast. Uh, but we hope to come to more states soon. Right. And hopefully eventually around the world. Very cool. I love it. Um, our closing speed round, an opportunity for us to get to know yeah. you a little bit better. Um, can you share one way in which the pandemic has changed your outlook on life? Well, uh, I'm a pretty intense type A person. You can ask anyone who knows me, uh, but <laughs> the pandemic has really forced me to slow down and I'm trying really hard to just focus on the things that matter most now. Great. Uh, what travel destination do you miss most? All of it. 
I miss traveling. Uh, but in seriousness, uh, I had a trip planned for Tokyo for April 2020. Right. Uh, so that's definitely on the list if they ever, ever open the borders again. Right. Uh, anything new on your bucket list that you'd like to experience? Uh, yeah, actually a rail trip across the Canadian Rockies is on my ah. list. You know, I've, I've driven um, from Calgary to Vancouver, um, oh, yeah. which is phenomenal. So, uh, and but there, you're right. There is a beautiful train um, that travels. I mean, literally right across Canada, but certainly all through that area. And I highly, highly recommend it. Um, when you head out from Calgary and you see the Rockies in front of you, um, I, it is truly, truly magnificent. And just recently, I had the opportunity to be out in Vancouver. Um, hadn't been in, in quite a number of years, and again, um, just this the the scenery um, is just out with mountains all around. Yeah. And even just you know a few weeks ago, still with snow on on the mountain so peaks. It, it's just breathtaking. This might uh, this might have to kick Tokyo off my next trip list. <laughs> well, it might be a little more accessible at this point. So you know, work That's out right. to Tokyo. Um, right. What is your a favorite technology that is new to your way of life? Uh, this is definitely not a new technology, but I did get a Peloton recently, uh, and it's really changed my life. It's a total cliche, uh, but I, I don't like working out. So having one means there's zero excuse when it's in my right. bedroom. Right. Well, actually, I get it. My, I, I, I know some people that have one, and I, I used to spin pre-pandemic, um, but I've, I've shared their membership, and I love doing the Peloton classes. Uh, they're great. So totally get that. Um, what is your personal choice for days spent in person with colleagues, your team, uh, versus working from anywhere? Uh, so usually I'm in three to four days a week, uh, depending on the week, what's going on. Uh, that said, uh, if I, you know, for if I had the chance to travel more, like, you know, say work from Europe for a month in the summer, I would totally do it. Or Hawaii right. or Mexico or, you know, just name your location. Right. I think that's going to be exciting. You know, listen, again, as I said earlier, I think the pandemic has been an absolutely horrible worldwide event. Um, I think it's you know dramatically changed the way in which we work and where we work. Um, and I think there's just so many exciting opportunities that are going to continue to emerge um, in the physical workspace, you know, combining all these new and innovative places to work um, and experiencing, you know, to your point, you know, maybe you will spend a month in this location that perhaps you've never been, you know, work remotely and also experience a, a new way of life. So, um, you know, lots to learn, lots to experience. And I think if we can just get over the fact that it's not the same and not what it once was, I think we're going to be okay. Um, and I, you know, even though our company is very much focused on the built space, um, I still think there's, there's an opportunity for us all to be successful. Um, and I don't think buildings are going to become obsolete. Or irrelevant, I, I think they're just going to find their their new place in this, you know, larger ecosystem. And I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. I am as well, David. Thank you so much for the conversation today. It was so much fun. Absolutely, thank you for joining us. And I love the perspective that you brought as a startup, as an occupier, as someone with deep experience in commercial real estate. It's been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. All right, take care. Bye now. Bye. I want to thank Lisa Kirsch for joining me on this episode of 10 and for contributing to the global conversation around buildings being part of a robust ecosystem that can help to build great companies and that they are a vital part in the effort to cultivate and support great people and teams. The future of the workplace will likely take many forms and we will continue to explore what that looks like together.
Subscribe to 10 for more conversations with leading CRE industry professionals and experts who all have something to say about tenant experience and the future of the workplace. We love hearing from you. So if you enjoyed this episode of 10, please share, add your rating and review us through your preferred podcast provider. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out to me directly at david at hiloapp.com. And until our next episode, I wish you all continued success in building community where you work and live. Thank you.